Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 80 of Fireside, 84 and 20, count them, 80 episodes. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcasts, we're going to be telling a story of un, uncharted territory this far, of a supercilious or super silly rocket of firework. Yeah. <laughs> but first, I want to say a big welcome and thank you to any new listeners and a big thank you to any returning listeners. Uh, thank you so much for your new or continued support. Please do continue to like, leave ratings, reviews and subscriptions wherever you get your prod- podcasts. If you really enjoy the podcast, please do support us over on Instagram at Fireside Bard. If you want to contact me and you're not on Instagram, then you can do so at the email address, thefiresidebard at gmail.com. And if you are really feeling like supporting the podcast, you can do so financially at patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast, where you can join our growing list of financial generous benefactors to keep this podcast going, to keep me to keep me going there and to keep the podcast coming. But that is a totally egalitarian model based on kindness. And if you don't feel like it or aren't in a position to support the podcast financially, that is totally fine. That is not going to stop my output um, at all. That, But that is totally up to yourself. Today, what, what episode? I've lost count of what episode this has been that I've been recording in isolation in my home set up here in Wicklow. I'm pleased to report that the Headstuff Podcast Network Studios is open once again. It's been open since last week, but I have not yet moved back up to my apartment in Dublin. So I'm still recording remotely from home. I'm still quite happy with the quality both of the episodes and of the recordings of the home setup I've had in Fireside, having invested in good equipment for my pocket studio but I'm very much looking forward to getting back into the beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network Studios but until that day uh, which hopefully will be very soon I continue to record in quarantine in isolation as we begin to start to phase back into each other's lives and continue to phase back into each other's lives and with that with the opening of 
businesses, but the opening of pubs and and please may it be soon. And it is going to be quite soon the opening of theatres and other kinds of arts venues. We can start to get cooking on the next Fireside Live show, which I look forward to planning, announcing and performing for those of you that are able to make it. But that is all to come, and there is plenty that and plenty more exciting news in the pipeline, as well as uh, very exciting news, as I've mentioned a couple of times, from Head Stuff uh, coming any day now. So any episode now, I'll be able to do a big announcement that is coming soon from Head Stuff. So keep an ear out for that. But first, we've already had first, but next up, we're going to get down to the story itself. So for our 80th tale on Fireside, we are tackling the final story of Oscar Wilde's The Happy Prince and Other Tales. This has been a lovely little side project following the end of the four cycles of Irish mythology to do the Wilde cycle, as I've been calling it, to take the five original stories written by Oscar Wilde with his with his roots in folklore growing up with two folklorists as parents Sir William Wilde and Lady Jane Wilde or Speranza as she was known it has been great to experience these stories in a new way to experience the ones that I grew up with to read the ones that I hadn't read before and adapting them was such a different kind of challenge because they were so well written and so word perfect that I couldn't in any way approve of them. In fact, it felt that for me to adapt would be to actually lessen their quality. But what I could do is tell my version of them that certainly in my telling and my recording of them that I could do the most authentic me version of these stories possible. And it certainly did. While adapting them, it felt like it felt like I was sitting on Oscar's shoulders and I felt that Oscar comes through not just in his language but in his characters and in the characters which I was adapting here. So it was a brilliant, it was a brilliant experience and I felt it was the right amount. Five stories seemed like the right amount. I'm glad I did them all. He has other short stories but uh, other very, very good ones as well. But I thought these five fairy tales kind of aimed at younger audiences but obviously that have a huge huge universality in them like all good folk tales i felt that they were they were a good selection to to dabble in and i hope all of you enjoyed them i've been getting some lovely messages off you to say that you have which is good because it was new it was new territory and different kind of territory so i'm delighted that you enjoyed it and this is the final story it's quite different it's quite a strange tale this sorry I'm just flicking over my banjo so that the strings don't ring out uh, because this room isn't the greatest acoustically the mic is quite good so it's a directional mic a condenser mic that if I get quite close to it you can hopefully only hear me and not the echo of the the spare room that I'm in but the vibrations of my voice do kind of reverberate on if that's the right word, on any of the stringed instruments in this room because this is my music studio as much as my uh, vocal studio. And my dog is out in the garden and he is barking at nothing by the looks of it. Max, stop barking, please. Yes, my dog's name is Max. So I'm going to get down to the story now. We'll chat a bit more about it afterwards. But this is the final of the Oscar Wilde fairy tales, the final finale of the Wild Cycle. It's episode 80. It is the remarkable rocket 
on Fireside. The Remarkable Rocket The prince of the kingdom was due to be married to a Russian princess. The whole kingdom was overjoyed at the union, and the prince's father, the king, organized a huge celebration for the ceremony. The princess arrived at her new home in a carriage drawn by six reindeer. When the couple finally met for the very first time, they thought that each other was even more beautiful than they had seen in their pictures, and sure they felt of how happy they would be together. The prince's page said, The princess was like a white rose before, but now she is in love, she is a red rose. And for the next few days, everyone in the kingdom went around singing, White rose, red rose, white rose. The king was so pleased with this, he doubled the page's salary. Quite an honour. But as he didn't pay the page anything, doubling his salary was still nothing. The guests and crowds assembled and the ceremony was held. So in love did the couple appear that the page said, It is quite clear they both love each other. As clear as crystal. Everyone clapped and cheered, and the king doubled his salary again, which still sat now at nothing. The finale to the evening celebrations was to be a spectacular midnight fireworks display. What are fireworks? asked the princess. They're like the Aurora Borealis, but more natural, replied the king to a question that had been asked to his son. He was always answering questions he had not been asked. Everyone waited in eager anticipation for the fireworks display. The kingdom overlooked a cosy harbour, and on the far side pier the royal pyrotechnician had assembled all the necessary accoutrements. On the bill were Roman candles, Catherine wheels, Bengal lights, sparklers, cracklers, screamers and squibs. And no, I did not make any of those up. As they prepared for their own big night, a little squib said, My, how beautiful the moon looks reflecting on the salt water this evening. I am so glad I got to see the whole world before exploding. The Roman candle was very put out by this. This kingdom isn't the entire world, you silly squib. It would take several days to see all of that. Ah, but any place you love is the world to you said the Catherine Wheel. It's just a shame that romance is dead. The poets have killed it. They wrote about it too much. Now no one believes them anymore. What a thing to say, said the Roman Candle. Love will never die. It is as eternal as the moon shining on the dark blue sea. Back and forth the fireworks debated and argued about love until they were interrupted by a rather supercilious cough. All the fireworks turned to see a tall, shiny, red rocket standing proudly upon his stick. I say, how good of you all to be here on the very night I am to go off. Indeed, what serendipitous circumstances that the prince should be married on the same night I am to ignite the sky. Princes are so very lucky, aren't they? The other fireworks stared at the rocket, unsure exactly where to begin. Then a young squib said, But I thought we were being set off because the prince was getting married. 
the rocket scoffed. You may be, but me? Certainly not. I am the most remarkable rocket that has been seen in this kingdom. That is because I come from such good stock. My mother was a Catherine wheel so remarkable they say she spun nineteen times before she extinguished. My father, a rocket like myself, was so remarkable he was written about in the papers as being a miracle of plyometrics. Pyrotechnics, corrected a pedantic Bengalite. You mean pyrotechnics. I should know. The word is written on my label, he went on proudly. Well, I said plyometrics, and how so very rude of you to interrupt and attempt to correct me like that. The Bengal light was quite saddened by this, and so began to bully some smaller squibs to prove he still had some authority. Where was I? asked the rocket. You were going on about yourself, said the Roman candle. Ah, yes. I knew I was talking about something interesting before I was so rudely interrupted. My word, how I hate rudeness. I am extremely sensitive to it. In fact, I am quite sure I am the most sensitive person there is. What is sensitive? asked the squib. Someone who, because he has corns himself has to step on everyone else's toes, whispered the Roman candle astutely. The squib very nearly exploded with laughter. What are you laughing at? asked the rocket. I am laughing because I am happy, explained the squib. What a selfish reason to laugh. Have you no consideration for others? You should think of others. In fact, you should think of me. I am always thinking of myself. Think, for example, of the prince and the princess. If I did not go off tonight, they would never be happy again. I am quite sure of that. Really, when I reflect on my own importance, I am almost moved to tears. Well, be sure not to do that, cautioned the Roman candle. If you cry, you won't go off. Nothing will stop me from going off. And I will cry if I want to, said the rocket indignantly. And with that, he began to cry. Very real tears. The other fireworks groaned, but were rescued by the sound signalling their moment had arrived. Fuse by fuse, the royal pyrotechnician began to ignite the sky. The Roman candle fizzed and popped. The Catherine wheel fizzled and squealed. The cracklers and squibs crackled and snapped. There were whistles and screams and explosions which painted the night sky reds and whites and greens before fading to the sight of smoke and the smell of sulphur. Only the self-called remarkable rocket did not go off. So much had he cried that he had dampened his own gunpowder and was quite useless. The king must have deemed I am too important to be let off with these amateurs, said the rocket to himself. They are surely saving me for some extra special occasion. The next morning, as the servants were sweeping and cleaning up the pier, they came across the rocket and said, Oh, look at this, we have a bad rocket. As he was thrown into a bin bag, the rocket said, 
Bad Rocket? The very idea. Oh, he must have said Grand Rocket. The two words are very similar sounding. There's no way he meant Bad Rocket. The trash was then dumped over the high castle walls and the rocket landed in a ditch of wet, sludgy mud. Ah, the rocket sighed as he began to sink into the mud. This must be some spa the king has sent me to to relax and rejuvenate in. I am so important. I need to rest and relax before I make my big show. As he sank, a frog hopped over to the rocket and said, Oh, we have a new arrival. Welcome, welcome. Oh, you'll like it here. Ahem, said the rocket, waiting to be allowed to speak. Oh, you must come over to the duck pond to hear my six daughters sing. Six of them I have, confirmed the frog uninterrupted. Ahem, again coughed the rocket. Tell me, said the frog, still unfazed, do you think it'll rain today? I do so love the rain, for then I can hop anywhere I please. But today the sky looks blue and cloudless. What a shame. Well, I must be off. I see my six daughters. Six of them I have. Did I tell you that? I hope to see you again soon. I enjoyed our conversation. Conversation? roared the rocket. That was no conversation. You did nothing but talk yourself. Well, in every conversation there must be a listener, and I like to be the speaker. If the roles are clearly divided, there can be no argument. But I love arguing, said the rocket. What a bore you must be, then. Everyone knows arguing is pointless. No two people arguing have ever convinced the other to their way of thinking. And with that, the frog hopped off. Why, I do believe that to be the most selfish person I have ever met, cried the rocket. No consideration for me or my importance or what I'm going through. The rocket's next visitor was a duck, who said, Quack, quack, quack. My, what a strange shape you are. I hope you don't mind me asking, but were you born that way, or did it happen by accident? The rocket scoffed. It is quite clear you have lived in the country all your life, so I will forgive you for not recognizing me. I come from the royal palace, where I am of great value to the king and the prince. Even the humblest of my kind flies into the sky and bursts into an explosion of colour and smoke. Well, what use is that? asked the duck. That's not very useful. If you could pull a cart or plough a field, that would be impressive. But what good is flying into the air and exploding, quack, quack, quack? Again, the rocket scoffed. My Poor creature, it is quite clear you belong to the lower class, so let me educate you. People of my position are never useful. We have a list of accomplishments, and that is quite enough. The duck could stand no more of this talk, and she waddled away in disgust as the rocket sank further into the mud. The next day there were two young boys gathering wood for a fire. One spotted the rocket in the mud and said, Look at this big old stick. This will be perfect for the fire. Old stick, cried the rocket. 
Ah, gold stick. That's what he must have said. What a compliment. The two boys built their fire by making a teepee shape from the bits of kindling they had come across. At the centre, they placed the rocket and set the wood ablaze before resting a kettle above and falling asleep. Surprisingly, the rocket was actually delighted by his circumstance. At last, my moment has arrived, and in broad daylight too, when everyone is awake and will see me. But because his gunpowder was still so damp, it took a long time for him to burn. But eventually, the rocket felt his fuse lit. Here we go. I'm about to go off. And go off he did. The remarkable rocket fired high into the sky with a sharp fricative whoosh. Here I am, high in the sky for all the world to see. Then the rocket felt something inside him. I'm about to explode. This is it. They'll all remember this. And then he did. He exploded into a burst of red smoke and light. And nobody saw. And nobody heard. Not even the two boys below, who were still asleep. All that was left of the remarkable rocket was his stick, which happened to land on the back of a goose. Ah, cried the goose, it's raining sticks, and he ran for safety. I knew I would cause a big sensation, said the remarkable rocket, and then he fizzled out. The end. And that was the story of the remarkable rocket on Fireside. Do you know what? That story was hard to write. Um, it was hard to, or certainly adapt. Um, I'm not sure if it was hard or not for Oscar to write. It may have been difficult for him. It may have flowed from his pen. But I really enjoyed when I read this story first. This wasn't one I knew before I was researching it for the podcast. And it's it's so original. I mean, I've never encountered a story about personifying fireworks before and they seem so ripe for personification when you read how wild does it but this story this story is famous in the collection for wilde's use his well as you you see him begin to master um one of the things he would become most famous for as a playwright which is his epigrams which are his short quotes that have been taken that can be taken out of context and have been taken out of context and are the quotes that are wild is famous for such as the only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about we are all in the gutter but some of us are looking at the stars the list goes on and on and on his his plays and his prose are absolutely rammed with them um they're wonderfully epigrammatical as I believe the word is but the remarkable rocket as a story in Wilde's version is packed full of epigrams and again his version is much better than mine could ever be and please do read it yourself as well as the other stories to feast your eyes and uh, senses on the wonderful imagery he he summons through these stories 
that you can then pass on to your own children, whether you have them now or one day, or just read them to others. They're just wonderful stories to have in your life. They may be ones you grew up with. They may be ones you've never heard before. It's been really nice hearing from one or two listeners getting messages saying that these are stories that they have since read, since starting listening to them on the podcast, which makes me feel really, really happy. That's exactly what I want from Fireside. And I'm delighted to hear about people discovering these stories for the first time. Like I'm discovering a lot of these stories for the first time before um, taking them on myself. But so there are, obviously for the large part, I haven't included Wilde's epigrams because I've been adapting the story myself. But some of them have creeped in in their own forms. Um, off the top of my head, one of the most wonderful ones being that... Um, and to paraphrase that uh, that upper class people are never useful. They have a list of accomplishments and that is quite enough. It's it's a wonderful example of Wild poking fun at the the class that he was adopted into. Because if you looked at his upbringing, it certainly looked like Wilde belonged to an upper class. His his father being a very well-respected doctor, his mother being a very well, a very famous collector of folklore, and the father as well, and they would hold these salon parties, and his father was a knight. But I discovered this from a wonderful book I read recently called Mad, Bad and Dangerous to Know, which is a book about the fathers of Joyce, Wilde and Yeats. And in the chapter on Sir William Wilde, we see that much like his son would, Sir William Wilde never really belonged to the class that he associated himself with. He was never quite as upper class. Um, and nor would Oscar be. Oscar himself considered himself to be of the upper class that his longtime partner, uh, Lord Alfred, Lord Alfred, Lord Alfred Douglas, or Bosey, as Oscar called him, was. But Lord Douglas was the son of the Marquess of Queensbury, who gave his name to the Queensbury Boxing Rules, and it's the Marquess who would later sue Oscar for what the crime was, gross indecency, uh, when he found out about the love affair between Oscar and his son. But Oscar would write to Bosey from prison and where he would describe where he would talk about our class together and our people and all but Oscar was not was not the same as Lord Alfred Douglas he certainly grew up with with wealth and and with and was provided for and had incredible opportunities that so many wouldn't but Oscar's father was gained a knighthood through his skills as a doctor whereas like Lord Alfred Douglas belonged to a long line of of British aristocracy you know he was a lord and his father was a marquess so it was interesting that uh of what of the aspirations for himself that Oscar had and how Oscar saw himself with the company that he adopted uh because for another thing his incredibly extravagant lifestyle and uh versus the money he made from his output as a playwright and a prose and a short story writer he could never really afford the lifestyle that he led uh, which is what led him to do a lengthy lecture tour across the united states that's getting into a just territory about wild and all but 
I just wanted to illustrate this because obviously what this story, The Remarkable Rocket, is criticizing is this self-importance and this delusional self-importance that people had and certainly can still have. That's what's so great about moral tales like this and kind of there's something quite fabulish about this is that you know people, I certainly know people like The Remarkable Rocket. And it continues this thread that we found through all of these uh, wild stories that I've talked about a good bit in that the primary theme recurring through all of these stories is of selfishness and of self-importance and there is always a character that is always very prevalent in these stories so it's something that Wilde was obviously ve- was obviously mattered greatly to Wilde. He may have thought that he suffered from it himself. It may have just been the thing that he saw the most in others. And it was obviously a thing that he saw as crucially important when he was writing these stories, which he wrote for his own children. He read these stories to his own children. I mean, you don't have to look past the fact that one of these stories is literally called The Selfish Giant. But Wilde's in all of these stories, from The Happy Prince to The Nightingale and the Rose, The Selfish Giant, uh, The Devoted Friend, and now in The Remarkable Rocket, this this current of selfishness is so prevalent. And it is often, I don't think, with, with, the, without the, with, with the exception of the case of The Selfish Giant, and I suppose The Happy Prince, there is little to no comeuppance for any of these selfish people. The rocket is a bit milder. The rocket doesn't make anyone's life worse. He just is boastful, you know, to these other fireworks. But it's wild to seem to say that there are people who are delusional about their own self-importance and put down others, you know, like even to the fact that uh, the the rocket thinks that the frog is selfish and he doesn't see his own selfishness or he asks the little squib to not be so selfish as to think of others like to think of him and he goes to his death he goes to explosion which is i do love the 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 visual of that or just the the idea of that of the incredibly short lifespan of a firework and that a firework's big day is their last day is the day they go off the day they explode and the firework, the remarkable rocket, goes through these incredible duress, er, these incredibly stressful times. He's he's dampened by the tears. He he's thrown over. He's dumped in the bin. He's dumped in the mud, and he's eventually used as firework. And all through this, he still manages to hold his own sense of self-worth and self-importance, which is almost admirable in a way. There's certainly a lesson of resilience to be taken from the remarkable rocket. But it just, yeah, it just goes to show that there are those people out there who have these delusions of grandeur and of their own value and worth and go through life entirely like that, no matter how much other people say they're not and no no matter how life tries to teach them the opposite and while I suppose he is poking fun at the rocket I would like to say uh, by describing him as supercilious particularly which is my Kevin's new word of the week that's a great one to have uh, have taken on board but the story of the of the remarkable rocket ultimately he is still our hero and it's still a happy ending for him as much as the world tries to make it not a happy ending for him 
and yeah i mean while it doesn't come down judgment or judgmental or harsh on the rocket it just he almost like me just seems to admire admire the remarkable rocket even just like with the title the remarkable rocket but yeah um but this was a very challenging story to write it was quite it was a longer tale and because it was largely a series of epigrams um more so than like a plot even though there is a lot of plot elements to it but like it starts you know with the story of the prince and the princess which never comes back so i condensed that significantly quite a a good amount of the first section of the story is dedicated to this prince and princess and king dynamic which ultimately has nothing to do with the rocket except in setting up what he is being used for and to preempt how on par with them the rocket thinks himself to be but in the reading of it i actually it, i was quite i found this i found it sorry quite challenging to adapt and it was quite a slog at times and i was delighted when it was done and i almost wasn't looking forward to recording it and i was always thinking oh it's kind of a shame that this is going to be 80 because the round numbers the like 10 20 30 40 50 60 70 episodes have as far as i'm aware they've all been big ones you know it was like ku cullen's first one it was the legend of sive it was always a very major entry in whatever cycle it was for that uh for that respective time and for that respective cycle and i almost thought that this should have been the happy prince or the selfish giant rather than the remarkable rocket but i went chronologically and this is the last story and actually i had a huge amount of fun reading it just there because of the characters and how much characterization could come through and could bring through and i was quite proud of that that maybe in the writing i cannot improve upon while but in a performance this felt i felt the benefit of me adapting it myself somewhat by the fact that i could characterize um these uh, that I could bring bring personality to these characters in my performance and in my reading of them, which which was quite fun, certainly from my point of view here, and I thought it quite flowed in the recording. You may think otherwise. I hope not. I hope you did enjoy it. So that's actually that's actually a longer episode than we've been, which has been good. I actually really enjoyed that after chat and everything, and yeah, it felt like a good episode eighty, and felt like a good way to say goodbye to the Oscar Wilde cycle. But who knows, as I said, there are plenty of other Oscar Wilde tales. We may revisit Wilde at a later date. Um, he is a he is a writer that I have always had a great love for and one of the writers that I know a little bit more about than some others. Um, so if anyone does have any other questions, I'll, I highly recommend reading reading some Wilde if you, if you haven't done so before. Picture Doran Gray is very short, uh, but it's a wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, read his plays the importance of being earnest is is hysterical on the page very genuinely and um, you don't need to be an actor or involved in the theater i don't think to to enjoy reading reading wilds plays certainly because they are just gas definitely go and see them though definitely go and see an oscar wilde play if you get the chance and yeah pick up this book of short stories or read them online they're all they're all there online um, I just personally prefer to read them on the paper but uh, they're all there and it's the Happy Prince and other tales 
so yeah let me know what you thought let me know which one was your favorite uh, if i ever want to revisit these you know if any of these tales may end up in a performance of the fireside live shows it'd be great to know what ones people liked what ones people didn't like uh, so the next next episode we're going to be going back to a folktale uh going back to a new direction with the folktale and then an exciting new departure for the mythic cycles which i'll reveal next week or the week after and but there's yeah there's good plans we're at episode 80 now we're gonna we're kind of charging to the last 20 before we come to 100 episodes which is just even that's insane to just even be near you know uh i know that like <laughs> the likes of mark Marin and joe rogan and all have literally thousands of podcasts but you know for again for a little for a little podcast that i am recording in the spare room of my house right now to have this body of 80 to look back on already is incredible and thank you that's all down to you it's all down to you the listeners who continue to listen and to listen and continue to grow this podcast with me and i'm ever so grateful for it so thank you to any new listeners thank you so much to all you returning listeners thanks to jamie my editor thanks to alan and patty at headstuff i look forward to being back in the studio with you thanks again for those of you for listening i'll see you all you'll hear me all next time and remember wherever you are wherever you are and wherever you go you can always join me by the fireside this podcast is part of the headstuff podcast network